Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Condemnation will run you away from God, which is the only help you have. Conviction of the Holy Spirit will make you repent. You'll be sorry about your sin. Sin gonna feel bad. That's the sin. It should feel bad. But conviction will bring you to the place where you stop that sin. You come to God for help. You come to God for forgiveness and you believe him for his mercy. Condemnation will run you right out the door where he wants you. Far, far away. You shouldn't even go back to church. That's what condemnation will say. You know, notice this. Condemnation won't tell you to stop sinning. It'll just run you away from where you're going to be convicted about it. When you sin, though you may experience a brief rush of pleasure from it, ultimately, it should cause you to feel bad. Today, Pastor Bill will explain that in those moments, one or two things can happen. Satan will try to turn that negative reaction into condemnation and shame, driving you farther from God. Or God will cause you to feel convicted and repentant, ultimately drawing you closer to himself. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that you're hopeless and undeserving of God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 25 for today's edition of a transforming word. We want to be cautious to obey the Lord with our whole hearts. Amen? Because he has our best interests. Nobody loves you like he loves you. And he's looking out for your well-being in, in every way. And so moving on now, the, the last that was the last part of verse 3 where it says, So Israel was joined to Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And so in essence, the enemy got what he wanted. God's angry. That God is angry with them. They've sinned in such a way. They're worshiping other gods. And you need to take note that when you commit idolatry, it angers the Lord. God's, God, God's not passive here. God's not saying, oh, it just hurts my feelings. It just kind of grieves me. God's like, no, that angers me. It angers me that you would worship another God. That you would, that you would bow down and give reverence and homage to another deity when I'm, I'm the only one that's real. It angered him and, and he's going to discipline them for it. Look at verses four and five now it says, then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill, kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And so here God is dealing with the sin uh, we see this throughout scripture. Sin must be dealt with. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's what sin always brings. It brings death. It can bring death to people. It can bring death to God's plan for your life, death to dreams, death to what God would have done. Sin brings death. And so in this case here, God says, look, I want you to take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders. Now, it looks like maybe some of the people that did this were actually some of the leaders of Israel. And God said, I want you to hang them in front of everybody. So some people read stuff like this in the Bible and they think, man, that God of the Old Testament, that God of the Old Testament was mean. He was something else. But you know what? These guys are going to hang for their sin out in front of everybody. Why do you think he did it out in front of everybody else? As an example, it scared the heck out of you. Next, next time some Midianite cutie come by, you, you, you have in your mind, I'm, remember, remember that guy? Was, remember Charles, I saw Charles hanging and you know, you, all these people you've seen hanging, you'd be like, she ain't that cute. <laughs> I'm going like, to pass. You know, I'm going to go on back in my tent and read my Bible. You know? so, um, 
you know, it, it was to make a point, right? It was a, it was for them to look and say, "Don't do that. Don't look at look at what happened. Look at what it, look at what sin brought." And so, but it's just the leaders that are hung out like this. Um, there's actually a plague that's going to break out, and thousands are going to die. But God said, "Take those leaders and hang them up under the sun in front of everybody." Now, for you and me, right? Because we sin and we mess up, and if we got hung out under the sun every time we mess them, we this church would be empty. Who hung out for you and me? Jesus. You got to be thankful for that. We have to be thankful for that. Jesus hung for me. Right? I, I mess up. Now, I didn't do this, but we, we mess up. We sin. We fall short. But he hung for us. He hung, Jesus hung out for us. And that should, I mean, for the believer, that, that should always be enough for you to be thankful, for you to be worshipful, for, for you to be willing to serve God, willing to, to sacrifice for the Lord, willing to deny your flesh, because look at what he did for me. I deserve to die, and he hung in my place. He took my sins upon himself. These guys hang for themselves. They hang. And so, and he's making a point out there. A couple, couple verses, if you want to write them down in James 3, 1, um, for this is more for leaders. If you're a leader in any way, leader in the church, spiritual leader, um, leaders in our home, James 3, 1 says, don't, don't become many teachers knowing that you'll receive the, the stricter judgment. And so don't everybody jump out there and want to be out front teaching folk. God said it's, there's a stricter judgment uh, upon those that do so. And if you're writing those also, you can write down 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20. And as uh, Paul was, was kind of giving, giving Timothy instruction for leaders and dealing with sin, it was a similar thing. When spiritual leaders mess up because they're out front, um, they got to be dealt with out front. Doesn't get to be hidden. And so, First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty, it says, "Those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all. Why? That all the rest may fear. That everybody else will look and say, oh, 'I'm not going to do that.' And I can't tell you guys. I've been to pastors' conferences and had my heart broke to hear about guys that I respect, guys that I listen to, guys that you know that I've learned from fail. And I'm looking and thinking, he fell." And it does. It brings fear. You know, it's brought up publicly. It's being dealt with. The, the larger the impact, you know, the, the, the wider spread it goes. You know, some guys are, you know, pastors of, of many thousands um, have things that go off on the Internet and everything else. They got things that go off on the Internet and everything else or it goes off on the news. And it's 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 sad. You know, it's, it's put blast blasted out there. And so um, we want to walk in such a way. Right. We want to walk in such a way in private. And in public and in every way that, that our lives are honoring to the Lord. Um, well, Tony just brought me what my memory failed. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. Thank you, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Look at verse 6 now. It says, and, and indeed, one of the children of Israel, he came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, I want you to just get the scene, right? People are hanging dead, right? They're hanging dead for their sin. The people are, of Israel are there weeping and crying, bemoaning, look at the death that's before their eyes. This fool brings his Midianite honey down in front of everybody like, hey y'all, this, this is my girl. You know, he, he, he comes out like, like it's nothing. And it says, <laughs> I can't believe the audacity, but I'm going to tell you that this happens today. And brings her to the tabernacle of meeting right out in front of everybody. Now, he about to get dealt with severely, but I'm going to say this. 
in the church. This happens. People are coming to church with the person that they sinning with, with their living girlfriend or boyfriend, with the person that they're fornicating with. This is my friend. I bet it's your friend. I bet, I bet it is your friend. They'll, I've, I've been Sundays, people come right up with someone and it's like, okay, I, what kind of friend? This is my friend. And, and bring them on in and, and they're in there for worship and everything else. I'm, I, I'm looking and thinking, you know, I don't always know there are times when that's the case. You walking up in here with, with, with your idol, with the person that you're rebelling against God to have? Are you crazy? You walking in here into God's presence with the person that you sent? Did y'all, did you, you guys just left home? Did y'all, I don't know what you did last night or this week or whatever. I just, I read these things and I think, man, we lack severely the fear of God in our, in our culture. I would look, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, does this dude don't have no, no fear? No risk? You're just going to walk up in here with her like that? Well, we're going to look here and we're going to learn from this. I'm not saying he should have hit it. I'm saying he just shouldn't have did it at all. But the audacity, the comfort level with his sin to say, hey, I'm, hey guys, <laughs> there are dead people right here hanging and you walking in with her up to the tabernacle of meeting where, where, we, 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 where we meet with God. Um, the audacity. And so, um, again, not unlike what things that we see happen today, Ecclesiastes 1.9, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. The same people do the same mess today. Uh, they walk right in there with the, the stuff that they're doing and, and think don't nobody know. Um, God knows, right? If nobody else knows, God knows. He's holy. You can't do that. You, you need to be sorry and repent and ask him to forgive you and strengthen you and stop it. But you can't be walking up in his presence among his people into his place with your idol. He is a jealous God. We know that. God's a jealous God. He is a jealous God. It's part, it's, it's part of who he is. It's not a bad jealousy either. It's jealous for you. And you, you don't want to tempt him with stuff like that. This guy does so. And so let's look at what happens to him. Verse 7 through 9. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the high priest, I'm sorry, Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the, the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. So Eliezer, I'm sorry, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, Phineas looks up and says, no, we're going to learn later. It's because he had a zeal for God. He got up and he followed them back to their tent. Interesting that they went back to their tent, the place where they were sinning, the place where they were defiling, the place where they were dishonoring the Lord. They went, they came, had their public showing and they were headed back. And it says that Phineas got a javelin. He took it in his hand. He went after the man of Israel into the tent. They went back home to their tent and he thrust them both through. Now, somebody would look at that and say, what business? Why did he do that for? What, what was that right? It was absolutely right. God's going to commend him for it. Notice this. As soon as he thrust them through, the plague stopped. So it wasn't just that the people that were hanged died. There was a plague among the children. People were dying by the thousands all around them. There was some kind of illness that was coming upon them and the people were dying. And as, as he killed these two the plague stopped God was making a point sin does have to be dealt with and 
You know, in this instance here, the plague stopped when the sin was stopped. Then that sin stopped as they died. That was how it was dealt with. And then the plague stopped. And God had made a point to these people. There'd be 24,000 dead. Pretty, pretty sure everybody knew somebody personally that had died in the plague. They had been touched. They had been, that, that was God's wrath, God's discipline poured out on them. There are times today where you look at an area, you look at some of the widespread things that happened and all the deaths. And I, I wonder, as I look at those things, like how much of that is, you know, God's wrath? Some people have a hard time with that. Some people don't want to hear anything about that. Don't say, don't blame that on God. Don't say, why wouldn't it be? He did it before. He's the same yesterday, day, and forever. And they worship other gods over there. They all in the idolatry over there. They're all in the voodoo over there. Why not? I wonder sometimes how many of these things are God saying, I've had enough. I'm making a point. Here, God made a point. And there's some dead, they're dead people. This guy that thought himself bold enough to waltz up into up to the tabernacle with his little Midianite honey, they're gone. He'll never do that again. And I, I guarantee you anybody that saw it won't be doing it either. And so this is what we have to ask ourselves. I read something like this and I think I, I understand how that would produce the fear of the Lord. But we don't see this today. Um, we don't see people sinning and, you know, you guys, somebody walk in the church with a Boyfriend or girlfriend that they're fornicating with. Hey, guys, my friend. Ooh, you know, we don't, the pastor don't come out and, you know, Clinton don't come up and start piercing people through with a, with a sword or whatever, you know. There is no instantaneous death that's brought about. And so, you know, what is Ecclesiastes says, look, because, because um, the justice upon an evil deed is not brought about right away. It says the hearts of the sons of men is set continually to do evil because we don't get punished because God didn't go zap you right away people's hearts get set where they feel like okay it must be okay it must not be that bad I'm, 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 I'm everything's look like it's still going all right on the external and people get comfortable in a, in a pattern of sin how do we have the fear of the Lord when God's not whacking you when he's not zapping you when he we're not seeing that sort of thing this is what it is it's going to come by faith in your Bible Right? I'm going to fear, as I read this in my Bible, I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No, he's not zapping people right now. I know that this makes him angry. And so I fear the Lord. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be at odds with God. I don't want there to be enmity between me and him. I need him on my side. I need to be at peace with the Lord. You're going to develop the fear of the Lord by being in the word and believing what you're reading. Don't read it like fairy tales and stories. This is the word of God. God is revealing who he is to his people that we might walk with him and know him and, and strengthen and empower. And so as I read these things, this is teaching me how to walk with him, what to do and what not to do. And so we should grow from these things. The sin had to stop before the plague would stop. If you write notes, you can write down Proverbs 28, verse 13. Uh, when my favorite verses it says he who covers his sins will not prosper won't be blessed in what he does but whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy and if you're struggling with sin if you have areas of compromise satan would love to condemn you to death satan would love to just put a finger in your face and wag it that's you you messed up shouldn't even come back to church that's how you know it's condemnation condemnation will run you away from god which is the only help you have Conviction of the Holy Spirit will make you repent. You'll be sorry about your sin. Sin gonna feel bad. That's the sin. It should feel bad.
But conviction will bring you to the place where you stop that sin. You come to God for help. You come to God for forgiveness and you believe him for his mercy. Condemnation will run you right out the door where he wants you far, far away. You shouldn't even go back to church. That's what condemnation will say. You know, notice this. Condemnation won't tell you to stop sinning. It'll just run you away from where you're going to be convicted about it. Conviction will cause you to stop it. That's how sanctification happens. You keep coming into the presence of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is coming. You finally feel about your sin the way God feels. I hate this. Great. That's progress because you used to love it. Now you hate it because the Holy Spirit makes you hate what your flesh loves. After you hate it long enough, you're like, God, I hate it. Help me. And God's like, That's, I've been waiting for you to seek me for help. I will help you. And I'll give you strength when you're weak. And it will fill you with his spirit and empower you. And as you yield to him, you'll begin to have his victory over the same things. And, and, and you'll move forward. And you'll be closer to the Lord and not further from the Lord. And so um, don't anybody be beat up. Be built up. And that's a choice. Uh, it's what you do with the things that God is speaking to you. Um, but I want us to know the difference because the enemy will beat us down and run us out where God is trying to draw us close. He's saying, come, come receive what you need from me. Come get forgiven. Come be cleansed. Come receive strength. Come be helped. That's what Jesus died to provide for us. And so um, right here we see with this people when sin is rampant among God's people, the work is hindered. And that's why we must deal with it. That's why we can't let it go in the church. Right. We're going to see it in a little bit that Phineas, God is kind of celebrates him. He gets rewarded. There's a blessing spoken over him for being uh, zealous for God, for going and saying, I'm dealing with this sin. I'm going to thrust this guy through with a spear. And even though that's not how we deal with it today, as people of God and people in the church of God, we need to be zealous about sin, that we can't let it fester and, and run amok among us. And so in some church circles, there are things that just get let go. I know they sleep together. I know they smoke dope. I know they do whatever and no, no, nobody says anything, right? Or worse, in some church circles, we'll say something but not to them behind their back to other people. Did you know that they would do blah, blah, blah? Well, I didn't know that. Wow. And, and then we'll do that. That doesn't help anybody. Gossip is a sin itself. So you just join them in a different sin, right? We have to go to people and say, hey, are you doing this? Well, it looks like you're doing and confront people and challenge them. You know what happens though? This is just one of two things happen. I'll, I'll share this openly. In our fellowship, we only been going, we celebrate six years this Sunday. In the time that we've been going, we've had, over time, people come in that were living together uh, in sexual sin. They were living in fornication. And this is what happened ultimately. There are some that were convicted, confessed, repented, a couple got married, came back together, whoop de wham, all good. There were some got annoyed. Y'all are judging me. Stop saying it. Stop talking to me. Sisters keep giving me verses. Man, man, they left, right? That, I, and I'm okay with that. I'd rather you be annoyed. If you're not going to submit to God, God forbid that you would get comfortable sitting in here in your sin. You should leave. What do you want to be here for? What do you want to be here hearing about it every week for? What do you want to be here being convicted for? If you're not going to submit to God, why are you here? We, we, I mean, that may sound harsh to some, right? We want to be a place where people get saved. If you come into the church and you're saying, I'm not going to submit to God, I'm going to do my own thing. Jesus cannot be Lord. You should be uncomfortable here. That's what it should be. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the people giving verse. I had another guy that was here, same thing. And I'm challenging him, talking to him. That I, he found another church where they didn't mind because everybody else did it too. And I'm like, well, I, I feel bad for that church. They got a church full of people feeling like they can live in sexual sin. And I know that the Bible says no fornicator is going to inherit the kingdom, right? 
um, they're misled. That's, that's, that's not fair to do to people, to leave them in that place. So what should happen in the hearts of God's people is conviction, repentance, restoration. Conviction, repentance, closer to the Lord. That, that's, that's the process. That's how sanctification happens. It should not be that we come into his presence on a regular basis and just... I, I, I don't hear anything. I'm not listening. I'm not moved to change. I, matter of fact, I won't give that up. I'm going to continue to do this. Then how can you say what Jesus said? How, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? I'm not Lord. You are. Right? But you can't save yourself. So you got a problem. Right? If I'm not Lord, Jesus saying, if he's not Lord, we all have a problem. He needs to be the Lord. And wherever he's not Lord, we need to find ourselves in submission. We need to find a place to repent and submit and let Jesus be Lord of every area of our lives. Amen. And so now let me give you this little tidbit. Uh, if, you, if you read verse nine, it says, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. If you write notes over in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse eight, when Paul recounts this story, he says that 23,000 people died. So some of your Bible critics go, oh, there's a discrepancy. Paul said 23,000. Moses said 24,000. And, 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 and this is the thing. Whenever there seems to be a discrepancy, you, you go back and study and figure out, okay, because this is God's word. So here's where it's fixed at. If you look at the reference in 1 Corinthians 10, 8, um, there's a phrase you don't want to miss. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 8 says, uh, speaking of this same story, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And notice this. And in one day, 23,000 died. So Paul says in one day. So 23,000 people died in one day. And then as you come here, it says those who died in the plague were 24,000. So numbers gives you the grand total. Oh, all together, 24,000 people died. So there were people that on, on, the, on this one day, there were 23,000 people died. And it looks like because it was a, some kind of illness or sickness that in the days following, there was another thousand people that died. So numbers has given us the grand total. 24,000 people lost their life. Paul is pointing out in 1 Corinthians 10, 8, that in one day, 23,000 people died. So again, it's not really a discrepancy. It's just something you go back and look at. Uh, a little more closely. So I just want to make sure we got that before we moved on. Now look at verses 10 through 13. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel. First positive thing about Phinehas, because he went and thrust them through with the sword, because he was zealous for God, God says the first thing he turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. So he said, because he was zealous from, from me with my zeal, I stopped. And I would just say this, because it becomes very unpopular today to be that person pointing out sin, calling it what it is, challenging people. You parents, it's going to be real unpopular to do that with your kids, to, to, to hold the ground and say, that's wrong. Don't do that. That's not okay. You know, we're, this is the kind of household that we're, we're raising. It's going to be very unpopular to be that parent, um, to be zealous for the things of God and not be willing to let stuff slide and let, let, let stuff slip. Um, it, it's challenging to be that kind of person in the church. I don't enjoy pointing out anybody's sin. I don't enjoy 
challenging people or correcting them about things that they're doing. I don't enjoy it. There's, no, there's, there's nothing enjoyable about it. People get mad at you. I got people that hate me just because I challenge them with what God's word says. Now they don't like me. Now I'm, I'm a bad guy. Um, I don't like that. I don't get a, I don't get a jolly out of that. I, I, I prefer that it all was good, but it's not going to always be good, right? And I would just challenge us that, are, are you willing to do the hard thing? Some people aren't willing to do the hard thing for anybody. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.